It's Monday, April 11th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, from Inside Value, Joe Maker, and from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Guys, happy Monday. Thank you, Chris. We will look at Walmart's new business strategy and the battle for online video supremacy. But before we talk about stocks, we're going to start with bonds. Uh, last month, guys, we talked a little bit about Bill Gross, who manages the PIMCO Total Return Fund. This is the world's biggest bond fund. Um, and we talked about how Gross revealed that he was selling his U.S. treasuries. Reuters is now reporting that this fund is now shorting treasuries. Joe Maker, I will start with you. Bill Gross, when you look at the guy's track record, he has outperformed the benchmark index for the past decade. So, uh, he's he's right more often than he's wrong. Yeah. What, what was your reaction first when you saw this story? Well, I'm still not over that Bill Gross shaved his mustache, which was <laughs> the best in the industry. Um, around the time he shaved it, he started moving a little more bearish on the dollar and interest rates here. So, saying the two are correlated? I think, uh, well, I think if you look at a chart, it's very clear. Mustachioed men are more optimistic <laughs> than non mustachioed men? When I had a mustache, I was an optimist. Interesting. Oh, but I don't need more. mustache comes great responsibility. So, so. so Bill Gross, um, to most people, they hear this and they're like, I, I have no idea what that means. That's gobbledygook to me. Who is this guy? There are practical implications here, not necessarily with his trade. That doesn't affect anyone on Main Street. But Gross is making this trade because he thinks interest rates are going to go up here in America. And that's because interest rates have been very, very low and they have really nowhere to go but up, but also because we've borrowed a lot of money. We're running huge deficits and we got to pay it all back. Um, interest rates are probably going to rise at some point, and that's going to hurt people's pockets. It's going to hurt your ability to borrow. It's going to raise your credit card rates. It's going to hurt your ability to get a ridiculously low rate on a mortgage. And that's the part that people should be paying attention to here. Tim, how did this uh, hit you? I mean, I think it's a natural extension of, of, of what Bill Gross has been saying for years, which is that spending in the government is out of control, you know, and we have to we have to do something about it. And, and you know, while those are the rantings of many a, many a man in this country, <laughs> uh, unlike a lot of them, Bill Gross has actually stepped up and bet capital on it. So, you know, in, th- in that sense, you should maybe take his rantings a little more seriously as I think Joe described, what's going to happen um, if his if his bet turns out to be successful, you know. But this is not a clear. There's not a clear outcome here, and the reason for that is that you know ultimately people want to invest in bonds, and at the end of the day, there you know the United States may be bad, but I would challenge anyone to tell me who's better. <laughs> right. So as long as there's no nobody soaking up the capital from us. You know, and some people like to say China, but, you know, really? You, you want to put money with the Chinese government? I mean, the, their statistics are more unreliable than ours. You know, it could just be dead money for a while because it's a zero-sum game. Well, you look at Japan. I mean, how long have people been making that same bet on interest rates in Japan? It's and they've long. been hovering effectively at zero for... Well, at this point, there are only three reserve, you know, three reserve currencies in the world, three governments that you can trust to be liquid and, and, and transparent to the extent you can use that word to describe government. Um, and that's the EU, the U.S., and Japan. You know, they're also big enough to absorb capital inflows. All three of them are extraordinarily troubled. So we're not going to lose out there. And then if you want to go one step below that, you're thinking about China, Indonesia, Brazil, and that's kind of where the list ends. <laughs> Indonesian Russia, bonds. You're not rushing out to buy Indonesian India? bonds. No, you know, I, I, <laughs> I would say if you're really looking for a risk adverse investment, which is what bondholders are trying to find, uh, 
none of those. Would, I mean, you wouldn't tell your grandmother to go invest in Indonesian bonds, would you? So, Jason, I, you're not worried at all? Well, I wish I could jump in there and play contrarian, but I mean, in all honesty, I can't. I mean, I agree with Joe. I agree with Tim. I agree with Bill Gross here. I mean, you know, the interest rates have nowhere to go but up. And I mean, this was, you know, a little bit more than a month ago when he actually initially dumped all of that, that government-related debt. That just seems like a natural next step is to kind of go go short. I mean, the thing I, I kind of got a kick out of was in looking back at this, uh, in looking at a, at a comment he made in an April newsletter back uh, where he said that the U.S. government was actually out-Greeking the Greeks, which, I mean, I think that really kind of puts it into perspective for him. He's, he's obviously not very high on U.S. government debt, and, uh, and the fact that he unloaded it went short, you know, I mean, it just out, to make sense. Out, out-Greeking the Greeks, that really doesn't sound like a compliment. That's, that's, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Walmart. Unless you're talking about baklava. Exactly, right. exactly. Moving on to Walmart, which has had seven straight quarters of same-store sales declines at its U.S. stores. Today, Walmart announced it's expanding the number of items on its shelves by about 8,500 per store. Jason, I'll start with you. That's uh, The stores are about to get a lot more crowded, it seems like. I like the name of the, pro- of the promotional campaign. It's back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't do a whole heck of a lot of shopping at Walmart. Uh, I guess, you know, I go there occasionally to get whatever. Uh, it does seem like this sort of separates Walmart from Target. Um, you know, they were trying to kind of go that Target route of, of carrying maybe less stuff, kind of higher line goods, and, and their core customers said, no, please go back to the way you were. I couldn't help but uh, go back to an, an Onion headline from just uh, – about a month ago, where the headline was "Customers Say Recession Changed Way They Blow Paycheck on Crap," <laughs> and so I think that the way that we're buying our crap is changing. <laughs> uh, Tim, Walmart has had a lot of success overseas, but it seems like their success overseas wasn't enough to overcome the problems they've got here in the U.S. Well, the big the business here in the U.S. is so much bigger that uh, you know, in, in the near term, the bigger driver for the, the company's performance is getting the domestic stores back on track you know whether or not this does it or, or not time will tell um you know but it is it is nice to see from a strategic standpoint walmart was founded you know four or five decades ago really as a as a entertaining merchandiser they did those big blowout end cap promotions and that sort of thing and you could find whatever you needed and, and, and you knew you were getting the lowest price nowadays the selection has deteriorated and, and it's not always clear if if walmart is the cheapest option um, there are a lot of discounters, so you know this is. I guess their hope is to have more people come, you know, have more st- and buy more stuff. You know, the metrics they look at in retail are are you know the size of your basket, which is how much stuff did you put in your cart and buy. And if you're selling 8,500 fewer items, obviously your I'll basket. I bet you someone just read Howard uh, Howard Schultz's book Onward, and they thought, man, we really need to get back to our roots because it seems like that's what they're trying to do is to get back to the roots of what Walmart really has stood for for all of this time. And Joe, I mean, Walmart is still, despite the troubles that they've had at their U.S. stores, still the number one retailer in the world. No, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I think they ultimately made a bit of a strategic misstep in trying to move up into higher brow items. And the reality is it's the same life cycle you see with almost all low-cost leaders. At some point, they decide that's just not good enough and they're going to move upstream. And then they decide they need to move back to their core competency. 
Um, I think they'll be successful at it, but they definitely cost themselves a little bit. If you are Walmart and you are looking to eliminate a competitor, uh, which competitor are you looking to get rid of? Is it Target? Is it Amazon? Is it um, you know something like Dollar General, Family Dollar, that sort of thing? Well, that's I don't know. I mean, they're all pretty stark rivals. Uh, I would say Amazon is certainly a pretty huge threat. I do think, though, at some point you're going to see states push back on the whole sales tax issue with Amazon, and that's going to remove a bit of their edge. Jason, what yeah, do you I think? mean that's that's the biggest threat to Amazon right now. I mean, we hear it uh, on our stock advisor boards all the time. Is is this Amazon in the state sales tax issues? And and I think Joe's right. I mean, when you look at how convenient it is just to go online and order something and have it shipped directly to you, as opposed to having to go out and get it, I mean that Walmart has to look at. I think is their biggest threat at this point, but. To, to get rid of them is a different story. I mean, if you're not looking to get rid of Netflix these days, you're not a public company. Watch out. Dum, 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 dum. Really? What? We're going to add Walmart to the list of Netflix competitors? Hey, you never know what Netflix could be up to next. <laughs> well, you could put Sears up there with Netflix competitors now. I mean, geez, Sears is trying to stream videos. Speaking of Netflix, uh, we will close with a question that we got at uh, the Market Foolery mailbag from Lucy, who writes, I would love to hear the guys on Market Foolery comment on the recent activity in Yoku, a good starting point would be, can Yoku pass Netflix in market cap? Tim, I'll start with you. Yoku.com is an internet video website in China. Market cap is roughly half of what Netflix is. Um, what do you think? That's true. Netflix is, is about $12.4 billion in market cap, and, and, and Yoku is almost $6 billion. Um, more interesting, though, might be to compare the two companies' revenues. Uh, Netflix is is pulling in a, a respectable two point two billion dollars a year. Okay, Yoku, a whopping fifty seven million. <laughs> yeah, if you know your math, you know that billion. <laughs> they sell lemonade outside the building. <laughs> billion is bigger than million. Uh, Yoku until this past year was also negative on the gross profit line, which meant that they were selling things for less than it cost them to. Sell them. So, how, so how do losses. they? Uh, how does Yoku make money aside from the well, lemonade stand, uh, which sounds awesome? They don't make money, Chris. Is the answer to your question is that we don't know how they make money because they do not. Um, now, the reason Yoku has a premium valuation is because it is one of the most popular websites in China. Um, it's in the it's in the top five or top ten, and it's kind of like the Chinese YouTube. That, is that right? That's what they'd like you to think. Okay. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, user-generated content for some reason hasn't hasn't caught on. So those videos of people sliding down three-story water slides, <laughs> I apparently saw no, that I was mean, pretty I, good. <laughs> apparently, they're not doing that in China. Either they're not building the water slides, or people aren't interested in watching it, or they're um, just going to YouTube. Or they could, although that is generally blocked in China. I guess you're right. Generally yeah. blocked by the by the firewall, which is why there are so many sort of. In China, there's the Amazon of China or the, you know, Baidu, the Google of China is because the government does actively try to block some of those U.S. user-generated websites. So Yoku has decided they're going to get into sort of premium content, which is to say buying the rights to TV shows and movies and showing them, um, which is expensive, and apparently people don't want to watch that either. So at the end of the day, I, they get a lot of page views. They don't know how to monetize them. Um, is it probably it's not worth $5.7 billion? Probably won't catch Netflix. I mean, the business just isn't isn't that big and, and doesn't really have a strategic focus. Joe? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculously overvalued <laughs> uh, by any conventional measure. But, you know, it's a strategically... Set price to page views. I'll give no. you that. <laughs> the old touche. I mean, okay, so YouTube, real quick, right? These guys are just now breaking an operating profit for Google. Uh-huh. And Google is the leading company on wringing out value from page views. 
and they own YouTube, which is ginormous. And they're just now breaking even. So how far away is this company with no experience making any money, evidently? So Google, with all its cash on hand, which is on YouTube since 2006. All its knowledge. Right. So you're just now breaking even. So so if I were to give you the option of you can have shares of Netflix that you hold for five years or shares of Yoku that you hold for five years, you got to hold them. You're telling me you're, you're taking Netflix over Yoku? Yes. What about the upside, Jason? I think I would go Netflix too. And if I recall, the question on the email was, what, you'd, what would you recommend for those long Yoku and what would you recommend for those short Yoku? And I think either way, I would yeah, just l- recommend eliminating the position immediately. Tim? Yeah, this is one of those that's trading on sentiment and predictions of things that might happen in China in 10 to 20 years. If somebody knows what's going to happen in China in 10 to 20 years, you can make a lot more money than, than buying or selling Yoku stock. Um, so I, I, it's just it's, it's bizarre. It's a 15% float. I mean, that's a really yeah, it's thinly not a, traded yeah. stock. It's not even to too hard. With. It's just bizarre. It might also be driven by some of the optimism from you know people with mustaches that we well, talked about earlier. <laughs> totally. I mean, that is the hidden market And we for go it. back to the mustache. <laughs> Jason Moser. Joe Mager, Tim Hansen. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 